This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. Fourteen counties got the green light last week to advance to their next phases of reopening. King County now in a modified phase one, while Pierce and Snohomish counties have moved to phase two. Dave Summers is Snohomish County's executive. Just very excited. Uh, I feel almost lightheaded giddy. It's been a long time coming. Truly, it's, it feels like a great weight lifted off. Of course, this relaxing of restrictions comes as thousands of people pour into the streets for protests. The state did see an uptick in cases Saturday, more than 440 new cases. That's the largest single-day jump since April, and that's almost exactly two weeks after Memorial Day weekend. Fortunately, there's a lot of testing available now. Mayor Jenny Durkin has announced this new citywide program, expanding testing criteria to anybody who's attended large group gatherings in the last week or so, even if they're not showing symptoms. And this Friday, there will be another apparently huge demonstration. The Black Lives Matter chapter in King County is calling for a statewide day of action. That would include a general strike and silent marches in Seattle and other cities. Chair Ebony Miranda says that she is aware of the criticism over calling for marches during a pandemic. It's important to emphasize that this was not an easy decision. Uh, This is not taken lightly. We know uh, that people will claim that our efforts are going to increase the risks of harm on our community and allies by doing such an action during this time. But Miranda says racism and systemic oppression are a greater threat than the virus. And She believes the march can make a change. Now, still questioning whether these protests will lead to more outbreaks. Dave, you talked to Dr. Gordon Cohen today, and he said it's pretty much a guarantee. Local uh, scientists at the Fred Hedge Cancer Research Institute, he wrote on on, on Twitter and it got a lot of national press that each day of protest would result in about 3,000 new cases of coronavirus and about 50 to 500 deaths. And he also noted that given the racial disparities so far in the pandemic, that those deaths and cases would disproportionately occur among black people. So Cohen's advice as a physician, he worries, of course, about the public health consequences. He says people have to do the best they can to be careful. One of the only protections we have right now, of course, is a mask. There's no vaccine. But Cohen says that mask will only work if everybody decides to do it. I think most people in those crowds have been deciding to do it, at least. It looks like a lot of people have. And um, we won't know for sure. But I was just watching the um, the daily briefing in New York from Governor Cuomo. And, uh, yeah, he advises people to be careful, uh, get tested, uh, demonstrate if you feel compelled to. But keep in mind that the virus doesn't care (laughs) why you're close to people. It will do what it will do. Did you see uh, Florida's new cases, by the way? The last five days in Florida, um, thousand new cases a day. This is one of the states that obviously reopened before uh, a lot of others. Now, we don't know for sure what's happening there, whether it could be increased testing capacity or, you know, we mentioned that Memorial Day was a couple of weeks ago. A lot of people were out and about enjoying the weather. Um But I think here we can also expect, as we see more people get tested uh, and restrictions start to lift, uh, I don't think the case numbers are going to go down. I think on the contrary, they'll go up. There are a number of states where they're seeing uh, cases go up. But there's also a lot of hospital capacity available, apparently. Mm -hmm. I've heard of a few states where their their ICU is, uh, is maxed out. But so far, we're not seeing any catastrophic emergencies like we were seeing back in April. Yeah. And now that we are beginning to reopen, let's discuss what the CDC recommends for traditional offices. Well, I talked to Dr. Cohen about that as well, the guidelines. 
And one idea is staggering people's work shifts. So that people arrive at different times. So that sort of lowers the overall employee burden. And so that you don't have as many people in the office space all at the same time. And they want people to wear, and not surprisingly, uh, face coverings at all times. And then once you get into your office, they want you to get a temperature check and they will ask you about any symptoms you may have. As for transportation, the CDC originally discouraged people taking public buses, light rail, but it modified those plans. So uh, is there a way to keep people safe while riding the bus or other kinds of public transportation? Well, I know for one, Governor Cuomo of New York says there is. He pointed out at the briefing today that the New York City subways have never closed down, Mm -hmm. and yet they were able to lower their infection rate and their death rate now to near zero. Uh, Dr. Cohen's opinion on this is... Look to air travel. Air travel hasn't stopped either. And the reason they've been they've been successful is because they've got several ideas they've employed. What have the airplanes done? Right. I don't know if you've flown lately, but, you know, they keep the middle seats empty mm-hmm. and they board people, uh, you know, for example, like t- 10 at a time. I don't know. It's going to require some very creative thinking to figure it out. But I don't think that we're going to be able to go back to buses that are packed with people standing and sitting on each other and have it not be a risk. Other recommendations from the CDC as for office spaces, they say you should clean out your air conditioning unit constantly, keep windows open, desks should be six feet apart or have plastic shields around them, Uh, no communal kitchen areas like coffee pots or free snacks that aren't individually wrapped. Twitter's CEO says they may never return to the office again. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people will, a lot of business owners will say to themselves, I probably can't do all of these things. And if my employees can work remotely, I'm going to allow them to do so. Well, and if you can't get any fresh snacks, they all have to be wrapped. (laughs) That's right. Who wants to go back to work anyway? And of course, the other other question mark here is the vaccine. And Dr. Cohen says there's still a lot of questions about that. How close are we really to a vaccine? And even if we get a vaccine, how effective is it going to be? How long is it going to impart immunity for? And there's some speculation that even if we get a vaccine in the near future, It may not give long-term immunity. So we really don't know exactly when things are going to get back to normal, it sounds like. Uh, I think that's a fair statement, Aaron. We get a pretty optimistic jobs report over the weekend. Yes, the predictions were very wrong. Economists have predicted we would lose 8 million jobs in May, and instead the economy added 2.5 million. We also saw that the unemployment rate fell from 14.7% to 13.3%. But there seems to be a little bit of suspicion about whether these numbers are truly meaningful or not. So I talked with CBS senior business analyst Jill Schlesinger about that report, and she says we ought to look at a different number, the broader unemployment rate. It's a better number to use because what the Labor Department does is they take all the people where they say, you know, I'm working part-time. I wish I had full-time. I'm marginally attached, which means I, you know, I I have a crap job or (laughs) um, I've given up looking for a job. And when you look at that broader number right now, that rate stands at 21.2%. And I think that probably more accurately reflects where we are, especially considering 20 million people are out of work. But as for the 2.5 million jobs that were added, that's a a rock-solid number, she says, and that is good news. Uh, As we've heard during this whole pandemic, uh, people of color have been disproportionately affected. Jill brings up the fact that the typical black household has one-tenth of the wealth of a white household. Uh, Median household income, white family, $70,642. Median 
household income black family, about 41000 So an almost $30,000 gap in household income. Well, obviously, if you're making $30,000 less than someone else, it's hard to save money. That's why you're living on the edge. And so during a crisis like this, she says, of course, black Americans and Hispanic Americans don't have that safety net of savings. I think it's safe to say that no matter where you stand on the protest issue, getting the economy open and healthy as soon as possible benefits everybody. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.